Yeah, as a, as a technical analyst, I like to deal in probabilities, not predictions. And I think the probabilities are likely that we've seen the lows in silver. I'm less confident of that in gold. And mm -hmm. the reason I say that is for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, I mean, silver has fallen a lot further than gold has. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at like the commitment of traders report, what the, the bankers are doing, the smart money, I mean, they're, this COT structure right now is historically bullish. That doesn't mean we turn right away. But when the COT is structured like this, we've only seen the commercial banks net long one other time, and it preceded a really nice rally. So all the conditions are in place. You know, so I, I think we're clearly in the buy zone. Does that mean we turn right away? No, it doesn't. Welcome to Gold Silver Pros, where you'll learn the ins and outs of the gold and silver markets. Searching for the best precious metals deal? Our affiliates are of the utmost trust, quality, and highest customer service in the industry. Shop with our trusted partner, Arc Silver. Access special deals on silver, gold, and platinum through our website or call 307 264 9441. Hey, everybody, this is Rob Keats with goldsilverpros.com. It is Tuesday, September 19th, 2022. As I look at the calendar, a returning guest to the program, Steve Penny from Silver Chartist, is here. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Rob. Uh, good to speak with you again. Looking forward to a good conversation. Yeah, we're going to talk silver today and the rest of the economy as it sold off. Before we do that, um, I want to let people know we're not doing a live for this Tuesday because I'll be traveling, but we'll probably do it later in the week. So we're going to pull Steve's interview up to the Tuesday slot, but we'll do a live later in the week. Don't worry about that, guys. Also, remember, if you're looking for bullion, go to our webpage, goldsilverpros.com. Click on the link for precious metals dealers and ARC Silver and fill out form, and Ian will be there to help you out. He has some of the lowest priced silver on the market for you guys. All right, Steve, it's look, it's been a bit of a bloody week for the precious metals. In fact, not only that, as I look at the charts this morning, everything is selling off. Uh, Bitcoin is down, stocks are down, uh, rising bond rates. The market is selling off. A lot of it has to do with earnings reports, FedEx and some others coming out saying it's not strong. But really what it is, it's just a broad market sell-off. I don't think the market's convinced that we're in a positive place in the economy. And included with that are the precious metals. Gold and silver are down as well. Uh, gold right now as we record this on Monday is 1670 so it's sitting at like a support point that I didn't really honestly think it would go to but it has and then you got silver there at 1938. You do a lot of the technical charting for silver walk us through what you're seeing on silver do you think this thing could go lower some people are saying 16 bucks an ounce if we look at the charts from a charting perspective do you see it bouncing down there or do you think it's going to come back up? Yeah, as, as a technical analyst, I like to deal in probabilities, not predictions. And I think the probabilities are likely that we've seen the lows in silver. I'm less confident of that in gold. And mm -hmm. the reason I say that is for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, I mean, silver has fallen a lot further than gold has. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at like the commitment of traders report, what the, the bankers are doing, the smart money, I mean, they're, this COT structure right now is historically bullish. That doesn't mean we turn right away. But when the COT is structured like this, we've only seen the commercial banks net long one other time, and it preceded a really nice rally. So all the conditions are in place. you know. So I, I think we're clearly in the buy zone. Does that mean we turn right away? No, it doesn't. But you know, like in gold, the, the COT is kind of bullish, but it's not like fully washed out like in silver. So mm -hmm. if I'm thinking like a banker, I'd probably want to flush those stops or run those stops below 1675. You know, I'm not sure they'll be able to, but I, I think they're probably going to try to. So, you know, a little bit more downside risk in gold than silver. But regardless, I think these are great buying opportunities for both metals. Yeah, 
I think they are too. And that's been my stance on it. Although I don't know if anybody expected gold silver to be down this year. I think the miners were doing well earlier this year from January to about March, April timeframe. If I remember correctly, the first quarter, at least they were up something like 40%, the Huey and the GDX. Mm -hmm. And then as the market sell-off kept going, um, as the sell-off kept going, then it hit the precious metals stock, uh, stocks and they came down with it and went down even more in the broad market. And now we're in the gold and silver is selling off. But as you mentioned, in a point of clarification, we were talking about the structure from the CFTC COT report. What you're talking about is the futures trades. People yep, yep. you know know that very well from my channel. In case we have any new users, I'll explain it. The spot price of the metals is determined in the futures market and the COMEX in conjunction with London, but that process is a little bit less opaque, so I don't follow it quite as much. And that price you know, determines what you pay for your metals, but it's all derivative trading. It's on futures, which are guesses, paper guesses for the next two to three months mm -hmm. uh, is, is how they do it. They'll run it 60, 90 days on what the price will be. And so there's a lot of liquidation going on in that market because it's a paper market. So that's the price that we get in gold and silver, even though it doesn't reflect what's going on in the physical market, the actual gold and silver market. So the point I want to make here, Steve, is when you have a lot of sales in the physical market, and you have a lot of metal running off of COMEX in London, like we've been documenting the last few weeks. It seems as though people want the bullion for sure. And at the same time, the bullion banks, which are always considered the smart money in the trade, have gone long <clears throat> as well. So it, that's the positioning. The physical is really robust. The bullion banks have gone net long. But somehow, Steve, they've managed to convince the managed money, which are the hedge fund traders and those types, to go short. So I think they've duped the managed money going short silver. And they're still paper piling in. How could they do that? Well, the bullion banks have a lot of clients that are managed money clients or wealthy family offices, and, and they put out research. They may be saying, well, gold and silver aren't bullish right now, and maybe that's reinforcing the belief. I don't know. All I know is the bullion banks themselves have gone net long, and everybody else is going short, and that tells me we're probably for a reversal. Um, and I think that may be your thought, too. You may think that silver and gold are bottoming here, but what if that selling pressure continues. Let's say the Boeing banks are positioned net long, but for the next three to four months, the managed money types are coming in shorting. Mm -hmm. um, we could still have a really lackluster gold and silver price, mm -hmm. couldn't we, in the meantime? Yeah, we could. And we, and we should be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important as a gold and silver investor to really understand like the things you're talking about and have a deep fundamental conviction. Because when you understand the math and the reality behind what's happening in the physical mm -hmm. market, it becomes easier to with withstand these drawdowns. I mean, personally, I, I don't hope I don't want to see a fifth, uh, you know, another three dollar pullback in silver, and I think it's unlikely. But mm -hmm. it, honestly, w I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. But what does bother me is I know a lot of new retail traders and investors who say, "Oh, forget this, I'm out," mm -hmm. and then you know that's the kind of people we want to help that really need to have, hold on to their physical silver, not the bankers that they don't need to hold on to it. So, yeah. you know, that, that's why I don't, I don't want to see the, the, you know, more weakness, but, you know, another two, three months of sideways grind wouldn't be surprising. And the, the next big catalyst, I think we all know is probably some kind of fed pivot. And, you know, from my perspective, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You know, some people say, oh, the, that's ridiculous. The fed's going to pivot. And I think what they, they think we're talking about, or I'm talking about, um, I'd love to get your take on it is like the fed's going to announce tomorrow, just full on QE on steroids again, and going to immediately to negative interest rates. I right. mean, I think we're eventually going there, but to me, the sign of a pivot is when they start to slow the pace of these increases, you know, when they go to a 50 basis point rate hike and then a 25, and then they say, Hey, we're going to pause to me, that's the pivot. And I think gold and silver are going to really start to move higher. Once we see those kind of things happen to me, that's the pivot. And that's the next big catalyst. 
Yeah, and I, there's a lot of debate on what the Fed's going to do now that we bring that into the discussion. Um, I suspect at some point they're going to have to come a lot more. Uh, um, they're going to go back to QE because mm -hmm. I don't think the economy is going to do what they want. When, whenever you're raising your hiking rates and reducing liquidity, maybe even buying back or liquidating your balance sheet and not buying the debt but selling the debt in the market, in a recession, it's not a great idea. And, and the White House and a lot of the economists are saying, oh, we don't want to call it a recession, even though it's two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth because, well, employment's high. And they're they're making all these excuses, so nobody wants to call the recession. And I think that's cover for the Fed to continue hiking because mm -hmm. if we officially call it a recession, everybody will put pressure on the Fed to either reverse course or stay put where they are. But the Fed knows that they don't have enough room to do their normal easing practice when we get into a deeper recession. So I think the Fed seems to be behind the curve on what was with the economy. They're trying to catch up. They know it's worse than what they're saying. But the government really is kind of giving them some cover now politically. And I just don't know if the Fed can ever reverse course, or at least not until they have to. They don't have enough room to do it anyway. But until the recession gets deeper, they're probably not going to. So I suspect that they're going to continue you know, to raise rates in yep. the meantime. And Steve, is that bullish for the precious metals? If interest rates are going up in a recession, we continue to have some of the negative numbers that are coming out with manufacturing and GDP and all that kind of stuff. And people figure out the economy is not growing. Is that bullish for the precious metals? Does that perhaps wake up the silver and gold markets? Well, I, I think the, the Fed has a choice as do you know, central planners around the world, do you want a deflationary implosion or do you want an inflationary depression? Those are the two choices on the table here. I don't really see much middle ground. And right. in, the, in the ultimately precious metals will benefit from either a, you know, deflationary Great Depression type event, or an inflationary depression, I think we're going to see the latter. Um, and, you know, three reasons I think they're going to eventually have to pivot. I'm, I'm in the perfect agreement with everything you just said there. I think they're probably going to continue to raise rates until something breaks. Mm -hmm. They're always reactive. They're never proactive. Right. So they're going to wait and they're going to, and the reason why is because then people beg for it. Um, you know, if they were to just roll out QE right now, I mean, everyone's going to say, oh, look at this reckless fed, you know, and blame them on, uh, for the, blame them for the um, inflationary repercussions. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, you get the stock market down another 20, 30% and housing prices collapsing, all these supposedly free market people on Fox business and everything, they're going to be begging for QE. And then the uh -huh. fed rolls in and looks like a hero. And that's coming. And that's one reason because, you know, to save the economy, boost asset prices. But two other reasons that really don't get talked about that much. One is um, you can't tax deflation. And in, in a deflation environment, tax tax mm -hmm. receipts fall. Mm -hmm. And we need those taxes. And um, so, you know, that's one reason. And another is to fund these deficits. Who is going to fund trillion-dollar deficits plus deficits go, that go out in perpetuity and are only going to increase with, you know, the autopilot unfunded liabilities like, you know, Social Security, Medicare, uh, China's stepping back, you know, Saudi Arabia, they're stepping back. Who's going to, who's going to fund these tra uh, deficits. And of course the federal reserve is always the buyer of last resort. And those are reasons why a pivot is eventually coming when that happens. I don't know. It could be three, four months down the road or longer. I don't know. I want to add a little bit of tax talk because sure. in the, in the budget bill, and, and this is from independence money, which I had an interview with them about a week and a half ago on the channel, they were telling me it wasn't in the inflation reduction act. It was in the budget bill that they're one wanting to do unrealized gains, meaning if you have a gain and you haven't sold an asset, they still want to tax you on it. So you're going to have to fair value your asset and pay taxes. And that's going to pull a lot of money out of investors' pocketbooks that forces them probably to sell some investments to get liquid. Because if you made this investment 
with the understanding that you weren't going to pay your capital gains until you sold it. But now you're having to pay it now, even though you haven't sold it. I think that's going to force some selling and it's going to be downward pressure on the economy. They're also raising the total capital gains rate, the total corporate rate, and the total personal rate if all of this you know, goes, you know, goes through. So they are, I think, in the background, Steve, trying to tax people to raise those receipts to offset some of the spending that they're doing. History shows that when you raise taxes like that, though, the way that people react, they're going to reduce economic activity and it may not have a net gain. But that's what the government's doing. They're just not not announcing it to people. So again, I think the Fed fully intends at some point to reverse course, but they can't tell people that. And I feel like the government's taxing people almost surreptitiously and not announcing that to try to get those tax receipts up. And those, I think, are desperation moves yes. on both parts. And I don't think either one's going to work. So probably more than anything, that's the biggest long-term catalyst for contrarian investments like precious metals, because mm -hmm. I don't see them saving the economy. The, the tax receipts wouldn't be enough with the deficits are printing. They're not going to bring in an extra $2 trillion in taxes. So they're not going to be able to pay off those deficits. It's really window dressing, I think. But the way they're doing it is just sneaky. And I don't think people are prepared for the changes that are coming for their investment portfolio, and they really should be. Or their personal income tax rate. Yes. And they really should be. So now's the time to do some of that tax planning, I think. Um, yes. Yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? If they raise all these taxes, in your eyes, does that change the, the argument at all? Do you, does that make you feel better about the situation with the deficits? Or do you think, <laughs> eh, that's really not going to help? No, because I mean, if if you tax the wealthy, um, I don't know what the numbers are, but if like you double their tax rates, it still mm -hmm. doesn't even put a small dent in the unfunded contingent liabilities we have. Um, right. You know, it just makes it look like they're doing something. But, you know, this tax issue is something I'm so glad you've been talking about this lately. Um, I know you did some interviews with, uh, I can't remember their names, but they specialize in tax planning. Nathan and Amanda from Independence. Yeah, Bank. yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that, awesome interviews. And that's such great information because we, we're taking defensive measures by buying physical metal stored mm -hmm. outside the banking system. Great thing to do. Another defensive measure to take is do some tax planning because a tax yeah. tsunami is coming. Uh, yes, tax rates are high. They're unfair. I don't agree with it. But historically, like the top marginal rates are low. And they are. You, you, can, they are. you can bet your bottom dollar tax rates are going to be going higher, not lower. And there's the, the, the one thing the elite or whatever you want to call them do, the people who make the rules, who write the rules of the game, <clears throat> they always leave loopholes for themselves. Sure. And, uh, so it's, it's kind of like you got to find those loopholes. And most of us, you know, we got jobs and lives to live. Who, who's going to go figure, find all these loopholes? Well, you find the people who, ex, who are experts in it. And I know you've interviewed a couple of them. So such yeah. a great thing to go maybe plant a seed right here to go back and look at those uh, interviews you've done. Yeah, go look at Independence Money. So do you have some technical charts for us? Kind of show us what's going on in the market. I know, guys, we all, we all love this. Yeah, my trading trading view has been so reliable for me over the years. I don't think I've ever seen this happen, but I'm just getting a spinning wheel. Oh, you're getting the spinning wheel of death. I've seen that happen on trading view, and I use some other ones. I use uh, stock charts, and it just happens, you know. Yeah, but but I can I can describe it to you, which sure. you know, if, if you're not into technicals, maybe just the verbal description might be more helpful. Um, with gold, if you go back to like 2018, you can mm -hmm. draw a very clear, it's almost perfect textbook uptrend line, and we've come back and tapped that thing over the past four years four or five times, and we're right there now and trying to bounce from it. I mean, it's right there hanging by a thread. Um, and that uptrend line coincides with 1675 horizontal support. So that's a confluence of support. So anyone yeah. who looks at charts is seeing that to include the algorithms and the institutions who really drive these paper markets like you were talking about. Right. So like we were saying, you know, the, those, the commercial bankers who are still net short probably want to run those stops. We'll see if they can. If they, if they do, we could see a quick spike lower 
followed by a quick rebound. That's kind of like a baseline expectation. But silver, I think that's already happened. I think really in silver, downside risk is just so minimal relative to the upside potential. I mean, two or silver is a little down- bit different because the miners can't. Most of the mine, primary silver miners can't mine it at this price. Yep. Now you do have seventy-something percent coming as a byproduct, so silver can go lower. Mm-hmm. And what they'll do is those mines that are mining, the miners that are mining gold lead zinc whatever it is mm-hmm. we'll just throw that silver off they'll sell it at whatever because it's not their primary product so you do get silver supplies when silver's below the cost of mine yep. but when it gets too far below the cost of mine and you have the primary silver miners threatening to go offline that's mm-hmm. usually when when the silver price recovers because all the derivatives guys you know g- get that feedback and they're like okay i'm not going to drag it any lower because what they're trying yep. to do is make money on the trade Yep. So they're trying to drag it lower. They're not going to drag it below where the mines are going to stop producing. So eventually silver does have to rebound because the 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 supply demand characteristics of the physical market will force it to. Yes. And I think we're probably at that point. Although it wouldn't surprise me silver dropped a little bit uh, with the continued liquidation. I'm calling this a liquidation this year because to mm-hmm. me, people are liquidating assets to pay for stuff. Stuff's yeah. got more expensive. You know, we, we've we had all these financial pressures the last few years, and I think that's what's going on. And so people are selling everything. So I do think the derivative price can continue to fall. It has nothing to do with the physical market. The physical yeah. market is robust and strong, and it is going gangbusters. And we don't see a lot of people selling. I talk to wholesalers all the time. So I think the physical is doing, you know, really, really well. Um, what is, What is your view? Just last thing here for you, or you can talk about whatever you want, but I want to ask sure. you your view, like on the next six months to a year. Given all the problems that we've had, do the charts portend that that you think that we could be set up for a big rebound here? Yes. Um, because the fundamentals are, are screaming it. Do are the charts kind of, like you said the the support line on gold? Are they overall supportive of higher prices, or do you think that based upon volume and stuff, this stuff could continue to fall? I really want to narrow down. Could we have another hundred dollar drop in gold? four or five dollar drop in silver before this comes up it is are the charts saying that or are the charts saying no this is looks technically like the bottom we're gonna we're gonna run back up yeah the the charts are telling me we're at it we're at an extreme measured in different ways now things can get more extreme but it's like a beach ball you know you push it underwater how far can you get that thing down i think we're pretty far yeah It, it reminds me almost of like march 2020 there was a day a monday morning when silver dropped in it's like 12 bucks in the futures market But even going into that, it was like hanging at $16 or something like that, 16, 17. And it felt like this, oh, we're just beaten to a pulp. And then boom, you got this $4 down day. But then that marked the low and it was almost like a V recovery. So that is like a a possibility that I'm keep open. I bring that up, Steve, because we've seen that before. We saw it, you know, before silver squeeze. A lot of times silver will dip real hard because it's a volatile asset, even more than gold. It'll dip hard and then come right back up. Mm-hmm. And it usually does that. And something I showed at Silver Symposium, a, a chart of gold-silver ratio. Gold will climb that wall of worry mm-hmm. and then silver catches up and that ratio falls. Yes. Silver is getting more valuable to gold. And then gold seems right now like it's climbing that wall of worry. And then mm-hmm. eventually silver catches up. So I expect to see a rebound in silver price. I don't know when. Mm-hmm. But perhaps people can follow you and you'll you'll be able to let them know exactly when that's going to happen because the charts probably are going to help us determine that. Yeah. And a, cu- a couple of quick charts, I'll just describe them. The gold-silver ratio, you know, nothing uh, cosmic there. A lot of people have seen that chart. But when you go back decades, it's very short periods of time that we're above like an 85 to 1 ratio. Yeah. And that's where we are now. I think we're right around 90. And those extremes tend to precede really sharp rallies in both metals where silver outperforms. 
Um, now, could he get a little more extreme? Yes. We got to 120 to one, um, just over that in March, yeah. 2020. But th that lasted for a very short period, period of time. Um, okay. Another one is I look at ratios of like S the junior silver miners versus the gold miners versus the mm -hmm. physical metal. And it's like the junior silver miners right now that are the most undervalued component of the whole sector. Um, yes. Again, just highlighting the extreme, like people are just sentiment is in the dumps. Th these are indicators of a bottom. Um, no one can time it perfectly, but you can say, hey, I'm going to start to scale in maybe with small purchases or have a plan. You know, maybe you want to keep some cash available in case we do see that kind of spike low. But, uh, you know, having a plan, knowing where we are, we're, I think we're pretty close to a bottom. Um, could it go lower? Of course. Well, they say it's always darkest before the light, and it yeah. seems to be dark. The sentiment is not great. But again, I remind everybody, these are just markets. They're cyclical. It goes up. It goes down. Things move around. And that's always you know, been the case as long as I've been in these for about 20 years. So well, just because it's not great now doesn't mean it's not going to get there. And a lot of times, the actual derivative trade, which determines the price, takes a while to catch up to the fundamentals. And, and the fundamentals are screaming, undervalued, come get me. The geopolitical situation is saying, you know, go get your metals. So I don't think you could lose by buying here, but just to offset that, yes, they could go lower on the technical charts. Fundamentally, though, we don't think they could stay there for any length of time. And I, I think yep. we covered all those subjects, yep. you know, on this point. video. Yeah. Well, one more point to, on your what you're saying about the silver miners. Mm -hmm. uh, what what they tend to do when periods of suppressed prices like this is they do what's called high grading. So mm -hmm. they'll grade, they'll mine their highest grade, cheapest right. to mine. So what what that does that further skews the supply demand imbalance down the road because you're getting you know the high grade stuff now. Sure does, so that, and that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. So just long, the longer price stays low, you know, the more uh, distorted the supply demand imbalance gets for the future. I mean. You know, that, that's not, I'm not trying to blow sunshine or whatever. Like this sucks that silver's below $20 here in yeah. March, 2022 with inflation like this. But, you know, that beach ball is just getting pushed further and further down and it, it's going to pop. It's just a matter of when. And to explain what you're talking about with the high grade, a lot of silver miners, you have your high grade and then you have a bunch of thin grade and you have to mix it all together and then you get your blended rate. And it's how much silver or gold you're getting out of the ground per tonnage of rock that you have to move. If you're a really good miner, you can mine uh, the, the very... Uh, the variations in grade, but not all miners do that as well. So a lot of times when you have a lower silver price, like you said, they're going to high grade, they're going to get the richest stuff just to make ends meet. They got to pay their employees. They got to pay for the diesel and the tractors and trucks. I mean, mining is a capital intensive and a labor intensive business. So when they high grade, what that does is it puts a lot of uh, good quality silver on the market really cheaply. And then people get used to that. And then when they want the next one, it's like, we don't have it. We just high graded. I got to do $10 million of expiration to find my next high grade target. Mm -hmm. But what, what is happening right now is there's not money coming into the stock space. So they're not, people aren't buying the silver and gold miners like they did. It's half of what it was in 2011. And that's with incredibly increased demand, especially in silver. So you're half of where you were 11 years ago in terms of funding you know, this expiration at a time when you're, you need to put out more. So it's even worse. It's a really bad situation. And what I see happening in the longer term, maybe not in the next few months, in the next couple of years, is there's going to be a shortage of mine supply. Mm -hmm. And that's really going to buoy the prices. Because at some point, if you have no supply, that price has to go up. I don't care about the derivatives trading. And I also think if the mine supply ever, it's been running short last four years. If it continues to run more and more short, like has been the trend, 
then what happens is the derivative makers are all going to go long and bid that price up mm -hmm. because they're going to realize we need more silver. We need a higher price yep. and nobody's going to want to go short because it's not going to be the smart trade. You're going to lose money. So I, I think there are some factors right now, which says silver is going to go up and gold's going to go up silver, pr probably more so since it's in a, you know, current production standard in terms of mine output every year where gold is not. But I think there are more and more catalysts that are going to start to fall, more shoes that are going to start to fall, if you will, over the next couple of years that make that that silver even more of a compelling argument. And I would even make that argument not only for gold and silver, but some of the resources. Like we're not putting enough money yep. into finding copper. Yep. We're not putting enough money into finding all these critical minerals we need on an everyday basis. And I think that eventually that's going to come home to roost. And that's when you have the catalyst for a bull, bull commodity cycle. Yep. It'll start in gold. Gold leads everything, but it'll go to everything. And, and that's what happens. And that's where we are. So people are like, oh my God, the price is down. They only look at the price. Well, look at the fundamentals, look at the cyclical trade, look at this has happened hundreds of times before. If you take the time to study that and really get into it and understand it, this is where the benefits of being a cycle trader are. You're going to start investing here on the way up and you're going to make more money in the long run wait, than, rather than waiting for that momentum play where everybody's on YouTube talking about it, or your taxi cab driver's talking about it. So I do think that when when it's darkest before the light, that's when people need to invest. You know, don't take that as trading advice. Do your own research, but that's what I do. Uh, wrapping it up, Steve, tell us a little bit about your silver chart of service for people that are interested. I know I get those reports every week. They're great. They're one of the mainstays of what I look at in terms of technical charting and where I jump off from when I do my own technical charting as well. So tell people how they can get involved if they're interested in that. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you for that opportunity. Uh, we call it a fully transparent over-the-shoulder service with, with real-time alerts. So I show our members exactly what I'm doing with my own portfolio, with my own money. I send out alerts every time I buy or sell. I don't right. get everything perfect. I certainly make a, you know, don't nail every turn, but you get a fully transparent look. And we've also got a fantastic team of contributors, uh, David Brady, who's a fantastic uh, macro forecaster, and Jeff Clark, uh, you know, he's been around for decades. He's an awesome mining stock analyst. So grateful right. to have uh, th those guys on the team as well. And uh, oh, we, we do have a, um, a unique link for your listeners. Um, get a nice little discount there. Gold, silver, pro or silverchartistpros.com. Silverchartistpros.com. Yes, sir. And th thank you, Rob. Really appreciate it. Um, I know before the call, we're like, hey, what should we talk about? And let's <laughs> well, just wing it. And I, I, another great conversation. So uh, thank you. We always me. have good ones because I think there's a lot of information there. But I think yeah. what, what you and I tend to do best is looking behind the scenes and looking at it. It's not just looking at the chart. It's what's driving it and what yeah. makes it. And it's always such a great conversation. That's why I like having you on. Thank you, Steve, so much for joining the program. We appreciate you. Thanks, brother. All right. Until next time, this is Rob Keynes of Gold Silver Pros. Remember, today is the recorded segment. Thursday, we'll try to do the live, or I'll just try to put out research. If my internet holds up in Mexico, we'll see what happens. But we'll have that live coming to you later on this week. Thanks, Steve, for stopping by, and we'll see you guys next time. Mm -hmm.